You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Jamie Dumont. I'm Rob Russo. I'm Jennifer Simard. And this is The The Fabulous Fabulous Invalid. Tonight we are coming to. Well, we don't have a full house because Leslie's not here. That's right. That's I okay. never change the script. No, but our girl, she's so busy and pre, you know, well, they're tech, in tech. They're in tech. And they start the previews in less than three oh. weeks. But and, I love that she did. And that bitch has to get up at three a.m. to go to the gym every day. She's amazing. I go to her Instagram like six a.m. There she is, getting it in. Oh yeah. She's incredible. Her body is rocking right well, now. Well, yeah. No, she's not. She's here to play. She's not messing around. <laughs> and we support and lift her up. As yes. fellow women, I'm going to lift that girl up. I'm so excited for her. And they're in tech. And I love that yeah. she thought she could actually come and join us. I isn't think that that's, cute? Yes. <laughs> isn't that let's cute? Ju- let's just patronize her. You're so cute. Oh, you're adorable. Oh, oh you're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> We are here at Orso. We are. Again, yes. on a Monday night. We're very Which excited. Which I love. We're so lucky for them to host us like this. We really, it is, it I love is, this restaurant. If we haven't thanked them enough, thank you, Orso. Thank Which you, Orso. so lovely. And, thank you, um, Mr. Allen. Yes, honest that's right, God, Mr. Allen. I was thinking that today. I was, was walking down the classic restaurant row of myself in my early 20s and recognizing what, a, what an institution this block is. And I got a tear to my eye thinking that, and now I'm, part of this community and we're I'm going to this restaurant to do this labor of love that we all do and um, how lucky I was mm. you were lucky I am yeah. so lucky you guys we, I think we're all lucky we're all just lucky. to live in New York too well, yes I know yes, we sure. really are I we, get that feeling every once in a while that misty eyed mm-hmm. I can't yeah. believe I live here honestly yeah. I had, yes that's the moment I always say that New York to me feels like a gift and it's so precious and I like I don't want to lose it have you, you know? read E.E. E. Cummings' This Is New York? It's a t- I haven't, I'm going to no. gift you a copy. It's Ooh. a tiny, thin book. It'll, it, you're going to love it. Oh, It's my I gift to you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to bring it to you. Yeah. Where's my <laughs> gift? I don't get a gift. I'm your gift. I'm sitting across from you, gazing in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am so excited you're here tonight. Thank Me you. Too. I know it's you, been so busy. You are all, I mean, Leslie's not the busiest woman in the world. You are also very busy. So yeah, We knew this would happen. I think we said in the first episode that sometimes it would be four of us, sometimes three, sometimes two, maybe sometimes one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, this is a very busy season for we, we in the Broadway uh, actor department. And certainly at Mean Girls, we've had, you know, cast changes, our beloved Ashley Park, who we interviewed on our show. Yes. Whom we last, love dearly. Yes, last yes. night was her last performance. Aww. And so with that comes a lot of rehearsals. And yeah. you just don't have as much time. And also, as we have said before, but I think it bears repeating, it's not just going on stage every night and doing That's your right. show. There's mm-hmm. a lot that goes along with what you do no, every I have, night. I'm sitting here, you don't know this, I have my right foot self-taped. Um, from an FHL injury, um, just you know, my, just being in heels all the time, right. you know, and I, uh, you know, I have this strain on my tendon, and um, that things like that, and I'm not even at a dancer track. It's just you know, wearing these kinds of high heels and right. the, the, the things, repetition, the repetition of it, of it. Yeah. and how a lot of your day. I was talking to my friend Erica Henningsen about this. So much of our day is getting ready for that three hours every night. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Mean Girls is as long as Les Mis, no joke. <laughs> and so... And <laughs> but I might say it's a better show. Uh, <laughs> Hot take. Um, I like it better than Les Mis. I'll well, say I mean, it. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is about maintenance and Epsom salt bath and physical therapy right. and, well, and going the gym and, and the gym and sleep and, and, and diet. Right. Mm. You know, and you can better fit in your costumes and all of that stuff. That. Do you have any personal life? Do you make sure to carve out time? It's so funny you ask that. I I do. The answer to your question is yes, I absolutely do have a personal life because I demand it, which is why, generally speaking, Mondays are sacred for me. It takes a lot for me to do work on a Monday because if I don't have some moment that's not on social media and outward for other people, I, I wouldn't be able to do my job as well. I think the ability to carve out time for yourself for all of us, no matter what we do in our lives, is huge. And I think some people are better at it than others. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's it's not easy to do. So I I applaud that you do do that. You do do? I do do that. (laughs) And it's... Sometimes it's just Netflix or a, right. a, yeah. just unplugging, yeah. whatever yeah. unplugging means to you. And it's sometimes it's a gym and it's a podcast, yeah. you know. And I call it, sometimes I have a bed day. Yes. And I, I literally, it doesn't, I mean, I, do that. It doesn't yeah. mean I'm in bed all day, right. although it usually does. <laughs> but it's like the day where I set aside to yes. like hug my cats for hours yeah. at a time and watch old Lee Remick movies or whatever it is yeah. that I do. Yeah. And, do. To turn, and, and pull, pull the shades, have it be quiet because yeah. as much as we oh, do I love, love New York, room. I love a dark room, a rainy day. Thank uh-huh. you, Jesus. <laughs> um, but um, um, but uh, you have to find time, quiet. You know, New York mm-hmm. is very loud and I find that you do have to put your armor on when you go out into the city. Totally. So oh, there are days where you really just need to leave your, your blessed armor by the door mm-hmm. And yeah. really l- drop your shoulders. Like, l- manifest that physically. <laughs> drop I, your shoulders. <laughs> I pretty much wear my giant headphones yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I very rarely actually have anything playing in them. Just because yes. I find that when I'm walking around the city, yeah. I just I can't take all that on sometimes. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, That's sir. right. <laughs> I don't say that enough. I love that you brought that up. It's, uh, it's, uh, that's a good phrase. Yeah. You know what I love is we didn't think this was going to be topics. Turns out it's been a bit, we're, we're doing topics. Yeah, <laughs> it just right. kind of evolved. What, this? I don't know. We're yeah. just, yeah, we're, well, we're just, I love it. We're shooting the shit. I love yeah. that. Well, speaking of shit, and oh, speaking gosh. of doo-doo, oh, you know yes. I'm sitting at a dinner table we're about to eat. I can't I not bring this up. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. and, and, yeah. <laughs> saved saved by the guest. Jose Lana has had a remarkable career, from starring in The King and I at age 19 to leading roles on Broadway in Flower Drum Song, Rent, Spelling Bee, and Off-Broadway in On the Town and Here Lies Love, to name only a few. Then coming full circle with the stunning Lincoln Center revival of The King and I. Please welcome the fabulous Jose Lana. Hello. Welcome. Yay, he's wow. Here. Your life in a couple of sentences is kind right. of scary that way. This yeah. is your life. You know? like, ah. Are you I crying? Know. I think I see a chance. <laughs> yes, everyone from your past is in the kitchen. That's right. Come out. Zolrus. Freak you out. No. Okay, before we get started, I have to ask this question. Sure. So I was doing some research this weekend uh-huh. on, on you, um, and I came across an article where the author of the article wrote that your pronunciation of your name was Yana. It, it depends on who you ask in my family. Uh, you know? I have that too. Okay. Yeah, and I, th- I think, because I think as an actor, I tend to say Lana just to make it as simple as possible. Um, and But between my mother and father and my sister, you'll get Yana, you'll get Liana, and you'll get sometimes Jana, and sometimes, which is completely oh. wrong um, oh. in my family. <laughs> um, I just say Lana. And I think the pr- correct one is Liana. With, it's like the Filipino. Again, if anything about Liana. pronunciation is you're talking about Filipinos who were conquered by the Spanish for 400 years. So whatever correct becomes a loose statement in that sense. It's whoever... Whosoever, however your mother said it, and that's how you say it. But so I we say haven't all been saying it incorrectly no, for no. 22 years. No. Okay. But, but the J-O-S-C is pronounced Bob, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Lana. Okay. Well, okay. welcome, Bob. <laughs> Thank you, Thanks Mickey. coming in. <laughs> Mickey just dropped off beautiful bread Very and head. pizza bread for us. Bread. It's so Ooh. delicious. And white Ooh. beans bread. We're always so or lucky so, to get the no, pizza bread. No, Orso takes good care of us. Their food is delicious. 
I'm so excited. It's my day off. I'm like, Jenna's Ooh. here. Can we say you're having a glass of wine? Can we say can we say you're having a glass of wine, or do I need to edit that out? We can say I'm having a glass of Multipulciano. Oh wow! I've been there. That's a place. What relaxes you? What relaxes me? Um, Food Network Television. Ooh, our friend Jesse is going to host the James Beard Awards, I know. right? Oh, I saw that he was doing that. I'm so Jesse jealous. Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Wow, that's a big Ooh. deal. And he's like really good friends with Padma Lakshmi, which is really, really? it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous of many things in my life, but that is probably one of the top <laughs> is that he's friends with her. How very dare he. Right, right. What else are you jealous of? <laughs> <laughs> You brought it up. You set that up. In my old age, I'm learning to release that. You know, as I'm as I'm as I'm learning how to be better at social media, I'm like, you know what? You live your life. I'm going to live mine. Don't need to be jealous about that. And that's all the greatest hits anyway. Social media. It's true. And like the curated version of it. Jesse's a monster. We know that. Total jerk. I mean, I've known him longer than anybody since we were both 21 years old. So you know, I finally met Leah Delaria recently. And really? I got to tell her that I was, I don't think you guys know this, it was between me and two other women for, for Hildy at one point. And on the really? town. You know, and I don't think I was really at the end as much as I thought, but I was, <laughs> but I was auditioning and, and she ended up getting it. Uh-huh. And I thought, the point is, she was brilliant. We all know this. It should, mm-hmm. it couldn't, uh, she's indelible to me in that role. Uh-huh. But I often thought, oh, I would have worked with you two yeah. gentlemen sooner than we actually Aww. did. Right. It worked out. I feel like that was such, it's that such was like a lifetime eons ago. It's actually ago, a lifetime. You know? <laughs> Last century. Right. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And I mean, I, I'm, I joke now too, like I, I'm doing the King and I again and like on the town came back. It's like, I've been around long enough where revivals are coming back a second time within right. my career now. Which Spelling Bee will be revived, dear. Right? Totally. Can you imagine? Uh, but like, like every time we have a little reunion, it's like we're all going to be walking on in walkers, you know? It's like, Miss <laughs> Pretty! Here's, here's guest speller. Oh, I would pay to see that. <laughs> exactly. Jose, Lana, Yana, Liana, Yana Bob, however, Bob, however you want to Bob, Bob, Bob. <laughs> Liana. Speaking of the king and I, yes. which you brought up a moment ago, you uh-huh. did tour, you did, you played the role at Lincoln Center, but you also spent a fair amount of time touring the country. Almost two years. I, I saw you do it in San Francisco at the lovely Golden Gate Theater. Golden Gate. <laughs> um, so how was it touring the country? How is touring Trump's America? Uh, I mean, the fact that you say that is is part of the answer. I, You know, we rehearsed in New York, and we, um, we had one week off before we went to San Francisco. And that week happened to be election week. Oh, wow. Right? And I thought, what a great opportunity to have a going away slash election party. <laughs> It turned into a funeral. Yeah. Right? Like we suddenly, I like I ordered all this food, and there were like fifty oh, people God. in my apartment, and and like by seven thirty, and also I have a couple of friends who work in the news, and so by by like seven, but by seven thirty, people were getting texts, and they and they were like, I gotta go home, and I'm like, what? And then by eight thirty, half the party had left, and by nine, we were all just staring at the television, like mm-hmm. crying, and yeah. so. The next day, I sat in a in a Think Coffee about a block from my apartment, uh, and with my laptop, and, and like literally cried all day. Donated, uh, like joined ACLU again. Like I, I joined all these organizations sort of like to retaliate, kind of what was just happened, and it gave me this new kind of like purpose for the tour, which was I'm going to be playing a world leader, leading a predominantly brown company going to probably places in the country that may not take that kind of group as welcoming as other places and telling a story about two different people from different races coming together and becoming friends you know and so it gave me that gave me that purpose to, to do um, and it, it actually made, gave us great things to talk about during during interviews and during press interviews during the tour um, so that's part of it and number two like touring the, comp- the show I'd never toured that long like I've, I've done like little tours of like Flower Drum Song and and uh, and Martin Gare did like mm. a pre pre Broadway tour for eight months and that's the last time they called anything a pre Broadway tour because <laughs> we never made it in you know yeah. but um, I don't know touring a show as beautiful as The King and I that production Lincoln Center production it was a dream you know and I got to be honest someone who looks like me doesn't normally get to play the lead in a show like that. Um, and I'm going to ride it as long as I can, you know. And uh, I felt like I was part of, like, this this 
this club. I would be in a, in like with a star dressing room in some random in the Golden Gate in San Francisco, and I I'd see scratches on on the walls oh, of like cool. Cheetah Rivera and all these like stars from the '50s and from the '70s, and I feel like okay, I feel like I felt like an actor. I felt like a touring yeah. actor. Um, and almost every theater we were in, there was like a Yul Brenner like autograph somewhere. Of course. He had played it everywhere. Yeah. Here I was, the next king, or maybe the second or third king to play that venue. So it was really, really special. It was really special. And um, again, it's always nice when you're proud of the work you're doing and you're touring and you're working really hard. Um, it's different if I was not happy with the show and I had a lot of free time, but I didn't. I, I did the show and I went home and I watched a lot of television. So I love, what, I love what you just said too, that, that all of what you're saying really is such a beautiful reminder of the institution of Broadway mm. and how it's so much bigger than any one individual. Totally. And in those days where it's just hard to do the work, there are days where you just oh, yeah. don't want to do the work. Yeah. And when you see signatures like that on the wall, mm-hmm. I mean, you moved me. I, I brought a tear to my eye just hearing you say I that. I mean, there's a nice tradition that, um, that started, not every theater has it, but most touring houses do where a touring show leaves a little, there's a, they give yes. you a little block on the wall to like mm-hmm. sign and everyone puts mm-hmm. their name. And it became a thing. Every, every theater we went to in any gap of time I had in my costume walk around the back hallways, I'd go, oh, look, and I would see my friend's signatures. And, like, I didn't know that person did that tour. Oh, so-and-so did contact? Oh, I had no idea. And it became this game, and I felt like a club. Like, we're part of this Broadway touring club. And And it's a quiet thing, you know? Totally. I I love that. I'll never forget, I I saw Pippin in Washington, D.C. at the National Theater. At the end of the show, you know, the whole set lifts up because it's Mm. all revealed to be a show, right? And all you saw was the back wall of the National Theater, and it was all the yeah. all the posters and you uh-huh. know art and signatures from all the folks who had played there, right. dating you know totally back decades and decades. And even cool and like you said, and even like I mean, touring is hard. You're, you're away from your loved ones, you're away from your friends. And even on some of my darkest days, I think to myself, maybe Cheetah Rivera sat in this very dressing room and was <laughs> unhappy with her life at the time. You know, what I mean, <laughs> it's little things like that yeah. that make you go. Come on, we're just—we're all trying to work. Yeah. We're all happy to be a part of a show. Touring you know? really is like being on a lifeboat together. Totally. In fact, I don't know if you know this—the first and only tour I did was Spelling Bee, Spelling Bee before coming when you all went to do the LA production. Gotcha. And okay. then we all took over. Well, me and the San Francisco company right. took over for you all. And it's and fun. I saw all your posters. Like I saw I all the posters. You must yeah. have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. you've done. The last two major revivals of The King and I. Yeah. Uh, 96 and 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of bookend my career right, right now. Right, yeah, as of, as of today. Yeah. Um, and it's a show that I think, you know, is beloved, of course. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some, there's some criticism of the totally. show. And it's increasingly as, you know, we as a society become more aware of the fact that, you know, two white men wrote this show, right? And mm-hmm. the character of Anna has certain motivations that could be questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, have you learned anything, you know, having done the show now mm-hmm. over a 20-year period? Um, has it taught you anything? Have you learned anything about it? Have, has your your feelings towards it changed? Yes, yes. Uh, well, first of all, my my experiences, the, my, my first tour, uh, the first time with The King and I in 96, I was, I was 19. Um, I, I mean, I was a child <laughs> in every sense of the word. I was, I was so green, not and, and not just in work and in professionals, but I was, I was so young in every sense of the word. I had just moved to New York. I was a freshman in college, and I was because of that. I think really well cast in that in that part where I was completely naive and I just sort of led with my heart and I and I and I and I and even even my relationship with the, with the company, um, I was everyone's little brother and, and I was you know and I was um, so. Green and and and, I, and my, I say that to answer that question and, and that I think my my vision of of all the politics of the show mm-hmm. were so I I didn't even think about that the first time my job I thought you know I, I think when you do your first job and you're 19 years old every morning I woke up oh today's the day they're gonna find they're gonna find out that I'm a fraud and they're gonna fire me you know I'm gonna what get to work and they're like uh uh-uh, uh we found out <laughs> right. you're terrible I'm, you know, in, go home. I'm in my 40s and I still I see that every day right <laughs> I'm but a fraud now, I mean I think. You know, 20 years later, I'm, I, now that I get to play the, the king and, and I've become just by, because of the world, kind of like a political kind of junkie. And also because Bart Scher is also a, a, right. a big, big political junkie. And he and I have become better friends outside of the king and I because of our shared politics online. Um, I'm very aware of, of the politics of what the king and I says and, and, and the criticism of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm I'm one of the people who are actually or are vocal about that. Right. It's hard when you're in the show, you know, because like, yes, you know, the whole the white savior complex right. and, and and the thought that 
any school teacher could ever have any type of sway over a king, you know, is ridiculous to, to say the least. But it's a romantic story, and it's a, it's a, it's kind of romanticized version of what actually happened. Uh, I think what was helpful, like my family and my husband and I, we went on vacation to Bangkok. Um, uh, about a year ago, right while I was in the middle of the tour, which was actually pretty powerful for me, that I could see all these places that the actual King Mongut, he was really cherished in that country, and he was the king of science. He brought science to, to Siam and Thailand. Um, so to have the perspective 20 years later as, as an older person right. who can appreciate those things mm-hmm. was my view. And also as the king, I had to sort of overlook the rest of the show and go, okay, what's everyone's motivations here and what's doing in that? Um, so that's that's what's different, and that's hopefully clearly hopefully reflects the growth that I've had as a person in, in those 20 years. Um, I think the best note that um, Bart gave me when I was taking over in the Lincoln Center production, because I was, you know, it's it's hard to replace. It's 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 hard. Like it's it's one of. I mean, I have to say, like in uh, working, I when I was uh, had they gave me three weeks to 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 to, to rehearse and, and and be at Lincoln Center before uh, I stepped in for Ken. I remember being off stage on my first entrance and I was like shaking and I was like, I haven't sh- shaken like this since like my first job, you know? And um, I think Bart said to me like, uh, stop acting like the king and just be the king. And that was like the best direction and advice I ever got. And I just I was like, just relax, you got the job, just do it, just say the lines and do it. So I think that it, it, played into kind of my perspective of what The King and I is about and, and the, the usefulness of that story in today's world right now, as it continues to be. Right. Especially as now I'm going to go to the UK right. and do it there. And and the world is really divided right now, not just the US, but Brexit's happening a week mm-hmm. after I land in London. And it's it's just kind of crazy. So the, the lessons of The King and I will always be about right. bringing people together and we can talk about the complicated nature of what the you know the criticism of, of it, of right, it. right. But not to lose sight of the overall exactly you know exactly. story and what it means. Right. Hopefully. I have dreamed that your arms are lovely. I have dreamed what a joy you'll be. I have dreamed. Every word you'll whisper when you're close, close to me. How you look in the glow of evening. I have dreamed and enjoyed the big part of your life for yeah. the last two years. And, yeah. And you go to Manchester in April, is that correct? Yes, yes. That's so I start rehearsal soon. in two weeks in, wow. in London, and then we go to Manchester uh, a month after that. So. And how long are you going to do the UK tour? Just three cities. Oh. Yeah, I did not have two years in me again to do <laughs> so What are you doing, Manchester? It's Manchester, Dublin, which oh. is awesome. Wow. Um, and then a week off in Dublin, which is great. Um, <laughs> and then Sunderland. Which never gets the same response. Sunderland. <laughs> right, because you're going to have to tell us all where that is. <laughs> exactly. It's north, northeast. Oh, okay. The number of people who have... Well, I should say this. The number of white people that have sent me photos of them as either Shulalong <laughs> Corn, the King, or, or Tuptim. White Come people, on, I mean, like, white people the, are horrible. I'm really sorry say, on like, behalf like, of Jesse all Jesse Taylor Ferguson told me, like, one of his first jobs was in Albuquerque. Yes. In, like, some outdoor theater where he played, a, like, the child of the king. And he had... I think they put, like, shoe polish on his oh, face or something. God. Oh, you know, I mean, he has the brightest, whitest right. red, red skin <laughs> on the planet, so... Oh, my. You know. He's what you might call a ginger. A, a, a lot. A lot. <laughs> wow. I mean, Wait, it would, it would I, take you polish. I, if you don't have to answer this, you can eat. I feel mm-hmm. like um, over the weekend I was listening to a podcast that you were on, 
and somebody mentions that there's a Tumblr account of bad King and I wigs. Do you know about this? Oh, my God. Oh, no. Really? Or maybe I heard. I don't know. Yes. I'd and love I, to see it. Well, I went looking for it, right? So naturally, I did a deep dive. Well, Tumblr's gone, though, I thought, right? Well, there's certain things of Tumblr that are gone, but Tumblr still exists. There's oh, just no okay. porn on Tumblr. Oh. I could not well, find bad King and I wigs, but what I did find was um, there's a Tumblr account that's Bad Les Mis wigs. And bad one other one other show that is, yeah. that well, I wasn't a fan of, but we we digress. I love it. I mean, there's tell us more about the Tumblr porn, Jamie. Yeah, always. Oh, I porn. know very little about pornography. I was shocked to learn that there was porn on on Tumblr. I, I think never, that's what all people I, do. I, Tumblr never been, Well, that's what and I learned. I missed the whole Tumblr thing. Like, Me too. I've never. I was never it's on never Tumblr. Never been a part I, of my life yeah. or part of my world. No, I, Tumblr. I'm married. I'm happily <laughs> married, and I hope I'm never back out there because the apps, the dating apps, they forget. Get, I don't know what Tinder and something else. That's old now. There's like new. I don't know there's anything. No like, there's I'm a, there's like I'm like a Match.com person. <laughs> Christian ni- Mingle. From 1908. Yeah. Wait, a, you know I did do a Christian hook. I did a Catholic singles dance once in my early twenties. I, I met a firefighter named Dennis, and, and he was That's very hot. sweet. That and really he hot. said. He said, you know, can I have your number, Jennifer? I'd really like to go out with you sometime. And I was like, oh, my God, Dennis, I <laughs> I don't know. I just, the heart, like, there was, it was like a junior high dance where there were four people over there and three people over there. Oh, <laughs> it was awful. It was at the Warwick Hotel. <laughs> the Warwick Hotel in New York? Yes, and I remember <laughs> telling my therapist about it. And the minute Catholic singles dance came out of my mouth, <laughs> she just lost it. I mean, I'm kind of losing it. <laughs> and we love you. Let's be honest. I got I married an atheist in a Unitarian Universalist church. There so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the punchline. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Um, well, uh, speaking of marriage, oh, you yeah. were married last year, correct? In August. To your longtime partner? Yes, we, we got married. That w- would have been exactly our 13th anniversary. Oh, wow. Wow, an unlucky, lucky number. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, that. On the, August 25th, um, and uh, we got engaged uh, a couple months into the tour. And so we came, it became like a, 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 planning, a, tour, uh, a wedding planning tour kind <laughs> of thing. And um, it was great. And it's, it's funny, like the King and I is happening right now. Like I said, it's kind of bookended my career. It's also been this really great kind of like page turn of my life. It's like 40, King and I, get married. You know, it's, I feel like I've really kind of jumped over a, a little bit of a, like 40 was like the hurdle, if that if, if that's the thing. And, and getting married is very much a big part of that. Um, Wait great. until 50. Yeah? Yeah. That's, that's when all the fun begins. Um, so everything's changed, right? Now that you're married, everything's <laughs> totally different, right? But you know what it is? I mean, I... I I use the word husband annoyingly frequently. Yeah. As much as I can. Yeah. And I and I it's and it's empowering, um, um, especially with, with, with like the, the, the barrage of like daily politics happening every and, and um, I mean I will literally fling it out there like it will are you eating alone? Like, no, my husband's coming. Husband, husband, husband. And I, I say it as often as I can because the more people I are seeing that it's a normal thing for a man to say husband, the better. You know. I agree. I, you know, I had the opposite because my my husband and I have been together for nearly thirty years. So, I wow. for a very long time before we would married, I subversively would call him my husband. Not unlike you did, I wanted the world to know that we couldn't get married and that I was going to call him my husband, which I thought was you know hysterical. Right. And then when we got married, when it became legal, 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 and we got married, I suddenly was like stuttering for the word. Mm-hmm. I, I it was like my because it was boyfriend. real, right? Yeah. yeah. Suddenly it was real. And it's interesting. Things do change completely. It really, it really does change your mindset. We spent 13 years going from calling each other boyfriends to partners, partners for a long time, and then as we you know as we were, as we hit the 10 year mark i thought partner just sounds like we're faking it you know and, and then i, I kind of went back to saying boyfriend i'm like that doesn't work like boyfriend sounds like we just met a couple months right, ago so temporary. Oh, god forbid lover <laughs> lover <laughs> i always say like, lover what, the 1975 friends. So I mean, it's I mean I, I think I think we just got married just so we could have something to say like we called each other you know. Well, I've been but. with my husband for 18 years now, and just wait till you get to ball and chain. You're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great. 
You guys are into bondage? Ooh. Hey, now, that's personal. Hey, we've talked about porn. Shave it for Tumblr. <laughs> I still have to go back to Rob asking about porn, because I'm still, I have questions, but oh, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want to, <laughs> too much from what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're, how quickly did you move in together? Was it like a Oh my fast? gosh. It was kind of fast, and yeah. we, we were kind of lesbians about it. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we met on a Thursday night, and I think we didn't sleep apart like a week after that. We met when everyone does meet. We met at the end of the summer. So we both had fun summers and we were kind of ready to kind of like, let's let's bring the fall in and like watch TV every night and you know. Or harvest. Wait, where exactly. did you meet? <laughs> um, Chris, Jen Mingle? Totes. We, we were actually dancing right next to Jen. Uh, <laughs> Mingle. Are you Dennis? <laughs> I, not a firefighter. Dennis, there's still time for us. <laughs> um, actually, we, we technically met a year and a half prior uh, to us meeting uh, for real, uh, he went to business school with my best friend from high school at Columbia. And we met at a book signing and just kind of in passing. And he was actually straight still then. So, and he was with his girlfriend at the time. Um, and then uh, fast forward to a year and a half, two years later, um, uh, we met at a club. We met at a club and he knew who I was, but I had no idea who he was. Uh, um, and I say that because I'm really famous. So, no, because I think it's when we met, I was doing flower drum song and my and my poster was in Times Square yeah and <laughs> and poster he, with your face on yeah it? and he yeah. remembered that he's like oh god so-and-so's friend is he's a real actor like he, he's not just one <laughs> he's of those in Times Square like, oh, yeah. right um and then so a year later um a couple years later I was actually doing Spelling Bee mm -hmm. and uh and so he knew who I was and and, and he came up to me and and I, uh, my friend, we, our friend in common had mentioned in passing, he's like, oh, you know, so-and-so, yeah, he, he came out. I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. That's good, good for him. It's good for him. And then, and then 13 years later, 14 years later, technically now, here we are. So. Can I go back to something? This is not a question, but sure. seeing your face in Times Square, that's, that's a take stock moment right there, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I really? mean. That never happens, right. rarely happens. And also, too, I kind of lucked out, because, like, Flower Drum Song was starring Leia Salonga, right? Like, everyone knew Leia Salonga was starring in Flower Drum Song. For some PR reason, I get the phone call, they're like, we're going to have a photo shoot because, you know, we need some press photos, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. Came in there and took some photos with Leia. And then they showed the, like, this is going to be the poster. Like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? With that like, put in, my angel? That, put that, that little under. put on. Absolutely. It was there. it was a shock and it was it was a blessing I love it. and, I love and, it. and uh, that whole production was a blessing. You are the girl whose laugh I heard, silver and soft and bright, soft as the fall of lotus leaves, brushing the air of night. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I felt so special that I felt like not only was I working with my childhood idol, uh, with, with Leia, 
um, that I got to work with David Henry Wong in that way. And, and David and I both kind of bonded in the sense that it was empowering for me to tell an Asian-American story. Like, there, there were no shows. There were lots of Asian shows, you know, I've, and we've done, I've done a lot of the Asian shows where it's people in Asia telling a story, but, like, very few stories are about the Asian-American experience. And it felt empowering because as we worked on the show in the, in, uh, and, and we went to L.A. first and we were working on the script, a lot of what I was saying in rehearsal and my conversations with David and with Bobby Longbottom, our director would find their way into the into the script and it was that really incredible experience where the line between me and my character started blur- really started blurring and I was kind of playing myself after a while the, the the frustrated performer who was looking for his parents approval and not sure if he was Asian enough or if he was not American enough kind of like reflected my own upbringing as a as an artist and being a Filipino and being an immigrant being raised in America. So, uh, and again, like 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 Flower Drum, like 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 Spelling Bee and Here Lies Love, that was a really close company as well. And you brought so. up David Henry Wong. We had the privilege of interviewing him. I know I listened him. to it. Yeah. <laughs> you did, of course. And um, yeah. he said we've come a, we've come a long way uh, in terms of colorblind, but as he puts it, he'd rather people refer to it as color conscious yeah. casting. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what areas do you see on Broadway that still need improvement? That still need improvement? Yeah. You know, I, I still see it's changing, but there, there's, there's, there's something that an actor that looks like me knows really well. Uh, it's the tokenism mm. where, you know, when I, and I, even within my 24-year career, when I moved to New York in 94 and started aud- auditioning for things, I would have casting directors just tell me flat out, uh, "Oh no, uh, you're not. You're not. Don't come. To, you're not here today. We're not seeing people like you today." You okay? No, I just they would just say it right to my face. Yeah. Um, meaning we're not seeing non-traditional. Like this is you know, and then you would see the show eventually, and you'd see they have an entire ensemble of people: one black guy, one Asian girl, and that was it. And there was no if there's. There's a sense, there's that mentality of if you have two black people in something, there has to be a reason why there are two black people. Or if there's an, two Asian people, it's like, why are there two Asian people in something? So we only need one. We only need one. You know, but if there's one, then it's like, oh, because they're 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 gonna they're gonna satisfy that tokenism kind of thing. Yeah. You know, a, which is why for years, being an Asian American actor um, and trying to get into an ensemble on Broadway, it got very competitive because you know there was only one slot. You know, for a long time, it was either Darren Lee or, or Joanne M. Hunter or you know it was it was. Or Cynthia Rubio, there was always that one, or Lainey Sakakura, like there was that one Asian person in the entire company. Um, and God bless it, that, that in itself was progress, because before that there was none, right. you know, unless yeah. it was an Asian show. So that, what's, what's, it's changing now, it's so refreshing, I'll, I'll go to a show and there's three Asian people in the company, mm-hmm. and they don't mention any, there's no reason for it, they just happen to be in the company, and right. um, like, like Mean Girls too, like just yeah. like that, and it's, it's 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 changing. What still needs to change is that I still I still do think that when a new show is written, the default race is always white. Right. Uh, and I, I I hope that I need that needs to change because I, I when I read a story, I'm I'm forcing myself to not because for the first 15 years of my career, whenever I got a new script or something and I was auditioning for something. I always thought to myself, oh, unless it's an Asian story, they're only going to consider me for the best friend, the villain, or the sidekick. Mm-hmm. Never the lead. Like, I would never be the lead. Right. Like, unless it's set in Bangkok or, or China, I wouldn't... And why not? Why shouldn't someone like me play the lead? Especially if it's a contemporary story, you know? And yeah. um, contemporary stories can be told with a rainbow of people, and you don't need to explain why the girlfriend's Asian. Or why the yeah. or why the boss is is, is African American. So that still needs to change. But it's it's help it's changing. Yeah. What it's what's it's what's change what's helping the change is that uh, not just the actors, um, but people in, in positions of power are, are, are more diverse now and, and are more women and more people of color are making those choices. Bingo. You know? And mm-hmm. so um, it's, 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 it'll take time, and it's taking time, but I think uh, the more we talk about it and the more we complain about it when we see something that's, that's annoying. Like, when I see a show, especially on Broadway, that is set in contemporary anywhere, mm-hmm. if you have an, a show where there are 15, 20 people on stage and they're all white, that's a bigger statement. That, I mean, that's, that's, to me, is shouting something. Yes. 
you know, um, like why not? Why didn't you have, you know? And uh, and I think the more we push back, I mean, the more we we call directors on it when when it's when it's like that, the better. I think you're 100 percent spot on, right. and I will also say that if you and I audition for the same part, I will take you out. <laughs> <laughs> she you're, will cut you're you going, down. You're going down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But the song from Disaster is not one of my top songs. Oh. <laughs> Wait, right. is that your audition song no, now? I wish. <laughs> in, your, in that key. In your key. Right. in your key. Exactly. So, it is also, it's, it's not just about representation with directors and playwrights mm-hmm. writing those plays. It's actually training the thought process of everyone. Completely. And I think, it's funny, like, I, 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 I've been traveling a lot to London lately just for not just to work but for vacations and it, I feel like sometimes when I see a lot of West End shows they're a little further along than we are you know like they'll, they'll have you know uh, uh, they'll have uh, someone on, on stage in a hijab, hijab that, 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 and, and they don't explain it whereas if it was an American company or American show it's, it becomes part of the story, and like, why is that person? Why they have to. Uh, they have to explain it, so yeah. we're comfortable, exactly. right? Because we we can't be comfortable right. with something we don't understand. Exactly. So we have to have it spelled out for us. So were you talking about? Everyone's talking about Jamie. Uh, that's one of my examples. It's when, everybody's talking oh about. Oh my gosh! Because when I, when I saw the best friend character, yes. I don't know her name. Uh. Her name. And the fact that she's the best friend, and, and she has this mm-hmm. gorgeous part Pretty and this Pasha. gorgeous song, right? Yeah. And and her song brought me to tears. Yes. And there's never one mention about about her ethnicity or her race or her religion, and it's just it, it's, it was powerful. And and it, and if it was an American story, they would have had to make some issue about why she why is this Muslim girl and part of the story. And that is progress. And I think I think American theater can, needs to catch up to that a little bit. Um, and just because it's I, I, I don't know it's it's because it, it opens up the story it opens up the possibilities of storytelling and it opens up the world of people who are auditioning and and, and I have to also say like it, it reflects immigration too I mean I think America's a young country we are a young 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 country and big populations of of ethnic people are only in their second and third and fourth generations of being here so only in the second or third generation of a family do you get people who are raised in a comfortable setting enough to go into the arts, you know? So most of the time, that first or second generation, they're not going to go try to be an actor because they're going to try to pay their rent and raise a family and they're going to go work in a, you know, in, in a deli or a, or, a, or a laundromat or something. Uh, but now that we're in our third and fourth generations of, of Asian Americans and, 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 um, and, and Middle Eastern people where they're now have the privilege of trying to pursue a career in the arts, now there's a wider population, a bigger population of, of ethnic people to cast that you didn't have in the 50s and in the 60s. You know, mm-hmm. they, they really had to, like, look for people to cast Flower Drum Song when they were, when they were casting the show. And, and they there were, were a lot of white people in that many. original. Yeah. yeah. The King and I, what too. What was Larry Storch doing in that gut? I mean... No, it's like... I mean, the King and I movie, too. It's like... Jesse uh, Tyler Ferguson was right. in that production. <laughs> Turns out. That's he right. was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it was, like, the go-to... If you were brown in, in some way, like I think, Rita, obviously Rita Moreno was was tough right. to him, and I think the Lunta was like this, like thick accented, like I think he was a Russian Mexican guy, like weakies in the shadow. I mean, it was really. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I watched. You know, I'm like, this yeah. is what I'm supposed to be singing. Oh, so. <laughs> wearing light Egyptian. Lots of rollers in the hood. Gorka, Gorka was played it. That's that guy's name. Oh my god. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> But you are a first generation who went into acting. You, are, you are exactly what you're talking about. Actually, right? if I have kids, I because uh, I'm 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 technically my kids would be first generation, first generation. right? Because I moved oh, here. Right, right. You were three oh. when you moved. I here, moved here right. when I was three and from the Philippines. So, um, yeah, and, and and it's a testament to my parents that they raised their two kids, and and my sister did everything right. She went to MIT and became an engineer. And she allowed the younger one to be the, 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 the flighty actor, which is a testament to my parents. And, 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 uh, but I, I consider that a blessing. I, and it's an t- utter privilege that I was raised in a household where they were like, do what you need to do. Do what you want to do to be happy. So. And we talked to uh, Jocelyn about this. Yes. Jocelyn Beale. Yeah. Jocelyn Beale. About that. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. You just mentioned your parents. Yeah. Um, when you were cast in Here Lies Love, mm-hmm. what was that conversation like? Uh-huh. That, oh, mom and dad, I'm going to be playing Ferdinand Marcos. You know, the guy that like made <laughs> the us leave the country. Left yeah. the country. Um, it was interesting, you know, because my mom and dad were both activists in the Philippines. Um, 
they were both they're both they're at the height of the baby boomer population so they they were in college during the Marcos years and they were both members of organizations that were being um, kind of like followed and stalked and arrested in the Philippines and so when my when my mom my sister and I were born I think both of them were looking for opportunities to leave as most there was a mass exodus of Filipinos in the in the late 70s in the Philippines um, just because it was, wasn't safe. It just wasn't a good place to be an intellectual. And so I, I got the call that, well, here's the thing. I was <laughs> closing Wonderland, right? And right. As, as you do when a show's about to close, I was an, like anxiously look, looking for a job. And I heard the public theater was doing a workshop of this. Um, uh, actually, someone at the stage door told me, I was, and they were like, the public theater's doing something about, uh, about uh, Imelda Marcos. I'm like, what? <laughs> Come again? <laughs> and so I, 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 I like did some research and I did some, made some phone calls and I, and I got an audition and I, and I told my mom, I said, you know, I think I'm going to do this workshop of this new show. Um, and I, and I literally went into that room and I, and I, and, and I, David Byrne and Alex Timmers was in there. And I think I said in my first audition, hi, I'm Jose Lana. And I'm coming in here, and I'm gonna play Ninoy Aquino because that was my that's my child one of my childhood heroes, you know. <laughs> my family <laughs> left the Philippines because that bastard Marcos, he just you know he was just ruined our country, you know. And then like two weeks later, like I get the call that they'd like they'd like me to play Marcos. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what's you know, like, yeah. So I call my mom. It's like I think I'm playing Marcos. She's like, what? Not oh. But I think there's also power in that too. You could have like added little like secret subliminal messages. <laughs> <laughs> like you could have pooped on the stage. <laughs> just, just like just like at Pearl Studios. He um, wore lacy underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. He had a really hard Did beard. you know that he had an incontinence problem? <laughs> I didn't, but now this we show know. He does. <laughs> Were those depends under your swimsuit you had? What? But it turned. It actually became very powerful as a Filipino. And that was the whole Here Lies Love experience, right? In that, you, we realized after doing the show on and off for four years, we did it. We did two workshops in New York, and then we went to Mass Mocha in Williamstown with it, and then we did the two runs of the public. There, not that many people, especially Americans, all they know about the Philippines is Imelda Marcos and their freaking shoes. Right, right. Um, yeah. You know, and I think the fact that people came and saw the show because people were hearing about how interesting it was, and if people can ke- come see that show, learn a little bit more about the Filipino culture and the history of it, and God, so many parallels that have been happening these past couple of years with Trump about blaming the media and creating these, these situations where you're creating unrest and creating fear and, and, uh, and distrust in, 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 uh, in, in journalism, it's been done over and over again in history. And that's exactly right. what Marcos did it's a for, for, for yeah. five years. Dictator 101. Dictator yeah. 101, you know, and it's exactly what he did. And I think that's when I finally was saying, okay, this, it's empowering, I, even though I'm playing a man who, uh, who's single-handedly, he didn't actually, he, not single-handedly, but he, he, he demolished my country. Um, I, 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 we need to tell this story. We need to make sure people can come to our show and and be educated about it and go, oh, let's go home and go, oh, it, the Philippines was more than just that. And they had a dictator who basically threw a party for 20 years in the country um, to maybe see when that might be happening again and if we can learn from that history so that we can mm-hmm. see when it's happening and stop it, then it's then it served as person. And then also have a really fun show where you got to sing and dance and yeah. hop up up and down stages and, and I felt in like a an disco yeah. and, and that the fact that I consider David Byrne a friend now right. is the weirdest thing ever <laughs> like That's we'll be wa- we'll be shopping in like Urban Outfitters and like a da- like a Talking Head song will come on the radio and like my husband will be like you know him I'm like that's <laughs> yeah. weird right it's right. yeah. really strange and he's such a part of like history in our pop culture vernacular
one of the nicest people on the planet. Too. And that score is fantastic. It kind of is, isn't it? It really. And I'll be really singing that music is. for the rest of my life. I, I love it. I love it. It's and there's a, there's a lot of cut songs that didn't make it to the show. Oh. Uh, they made a concept album yes. that's out there, and there are at least five songs on there that didn't that we actually we we workshopped um, that just didn't make it to the final cut of the show. So it's just it's just, it's just great, and I'll always be thankful for Here Lies Love. In the Senate or in business, but most of all in love, you ladies all know how things work, you know how to get things done, and if you open the door for a lady, you open the door. anything about Amilda or Ferdinand that gave you any kind of insight to who they were or why they did what they did or anything that that changed your opinion one way or the other? I wouldn't say changed my opinion. I think, you know, just like what I said about the King and I, it's all about perspective. You know, I think as a young person who, who's young, who, were, who was a, a child of, of activists, all I heard were the big picture horrible things, you know. But in my research, obviously, you do with any role, you, you find out that he was someone who initially was just a really smart lawyer. He was a genius. He was smart, and he, it's, but his, his, his real story is how power and greed can really corrupt someone who maybe had good intentions at first. Um, and there are a lot of things that he did do right. He, there, there is a highway system in the Philippines because of him. There, there are many, he, he put schools and libraries in so many towns because that was part of this first initiative as the first term as president. It was just when he realized, oh, I can't do a third term. Oh, um, I could hide away some money and no one will know about it. Oh, like it was like, it was only in that second term that things really start going wrong. And he realized just how badly the infrastructure was in the Philippines. There were, there were no checks and balances that anyone could get away with anything. Even Hitler liked dogs and children. Um, <laughs> you know, no one is the villain in their own story. Right. And, and that, as an the, actor, that's something that... And that was also the part, because yeah. the story was told from Imelda's perspective. Mostly, uh-huh. That was pretty much, very much a supporting character in the Hero Lies Love story. And Ruthie did such an incredible job at... at, at really grounding her in, in, and you believed her and you believed her heartache even though it was surrounded by this ego mm-hmm. you know but you felt her pain even though it was like these tears of like of horrible this woman doing these horrible things but you go oh but she's but she's human What more? 
after 24 years, if you could go back to 19-year-old Jose, mm. who's booked his first Broadway gig, what would you say to him? What, what kind of advice would you have for him? Relax. I think I was such a stress ball. Actually, I, 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 have, I haven't had it in about 10 years, but I had really bad alopecia for most of my 20s where I would lose my hair in these bald spots all over my head, either like dime-sized or, or like full, like, like silver dollar size. And it was all stress. I would just stress, stress, stress. And a lot of it was that kind of Asian upbringings, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I pleasing my parents? Am I, am I, you know? And I think if I could just tell him anything, it would just be to relax and just trust that everything that's supposed to happen is going to happen. I, I was very, very fortunate in my first three jobs. I did King and I, and then I went into On the Town in Central Park and at the Delacorte. Um, that was a big deal because I was like playing a, playing a non-traditional part in, in, in the show. And, 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 but then when the show moved to Broadway, they recast me. And I was 21 when that happened. And it, it was a horrible process, you know. And now, 20 years later, I've been on both ends of that situation. So I have better understanding. And if it happens again, and I'm sure it will happen again, I'll be like, it wasn't my gig. It was never meant for me. And they went another way. But when I was 21 and it happened, I was so demolished. And it was... Did you think it was over? I thought I was never going to work again. Yeah. I thought, oh, it's so public. You know, we, we had this off-Broadway run, and now they're going to go to Broadway. It's going to be somebody else. They're going to be like, oh, finally. They found out that he's a fraud. He's never going to work again. And I'm not saying I'm glad that happened, but the, the fact that it did, it made me grow up very fast. And it gave me, actually, um, the skin that I needed to, to be like, okay, if you're going to keep doing this... You need to get over that and, and just keep going and, and do some more show. And luckily, you know, I kept working. And, and I, I think it takes a long time to, to realize, oh, it's, I, and it's, it's, a, it's an expression I use all the time, especially with some of my younger friends who I see going through that. I'm like, it was never your gig. If it wasn't meant to be yours, it's not meant to be yours, you know? This is not a question, but I'm inspired by something you said. Um, so I want to ask a question. I mean, it's not a question we have prepared, but you said... When you got the gig uh, at the outdoor theater at the Delacorte, mm -hmm. that you you, re you were you were aware of the fact that it was non-traditional casting. Mm -hmm. That's something I've never had to deal with. So on top, mm. am I correct in assuming that on top of worrying if people are going to like your performance as an actor, mm -hmm. do you or have you wondered? Oh gosh, reviewers are going to comment on this fact. Oh god, and what is that like? And which is why I, which I think it's just why I've always felt really. Um, thankful, grateful for my association with the public theater. I mean, number one, I was so clueless to it all. I was 20 when I was auditioning for it. I was in The King and I. Um, and I was all set to go back to college after The King and I. And, and, and my mother will hate hates whenever I, I repeat this, as she said this, but she's like, oh, it's, you know, you're... Because they were all, my parents were always my, like, reality checks. They were always going to be like, okay, you'll go do this Broadway show, but, you know, you're Asian, it's an Asian show, and then, you, then you'll never get another job and you go back to school. Great. And I was completely prepared to do that. And then I auditioned, and then my agent sent me to this, on this on the town audition, and I was like, "Ooh, Bernstein! Oh, I love, I love Bernstein. That's great." And then, um, and George Wolf, and I was like, "Oh my God, George Wolf! That's that's amazing!" And when I when I booked the job, even I didn't realize how big a deal it was that they were casting some kind of unknown twenty one year old Filipino kid to play this part. I just was really happy that I got the job, yeah. you know, and. And I think the first couple of rounds of, like, the, pre the public theater was one of the first institutes, institutions where they, they sat me down with the press people and they gave me press training. They're like, you're going to be asked some questions. I mean, you just want to make sure you, you know, you, you, you decide what you want to say. You can say whatever you want, but I think we'd love to help you get, you know, and you may get some questions. There's like, um, what do you think of people who think that you shouldn't be playing this part? And I'm like... Someone's going to ask me that? Like, yeah. that's terrible. Like, why would yeah. somebody ask me that? They're like, well, because Asian people, you know, they were fighting the Japanese in the, in the war. Like, why would you be cast in this part? And I'm like, oh, 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 And so, like, when suddenly, finally, for the first time in my career, I was, I, I was like, oh, I need to think about these things. I need to think about this. I need to have an answer for it. And I need to decide how I feel about it. Um, and it was empowering. And I think at a young age, I was... Uh, I was put into the conversation, and I was happy to be a part of the conversation. And 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 uh, 
it, it, it's and that's why the public theater will always be a place where I will go and go okay they'll maybe they'll push some buttons which is great and they'll be maybe one of the first people because they were one of the first people to do that kind of casting yes um, and uh, I'll always be thankful for that and, and, and it's something that I always say is like the King and I was my break but like but on the town kind of started my career because it was like the first thing after the King and I that I thought okay I can do other things than Asian parts what was that show that did it for you that bit you and gave you the bug hmm you know, I was lucky enough to grow up in D.C., and it's funny. We didn't have a lot of musicals as a, as a kid. We were the Filipinos obsessed with pop music and karaoke. But um, it was when I discovered at Errol's Video. Was Errol's Video in any of your histories? It was before Blockbuster. When we rented videos, they would, yeah. they would rent these packages of the R&H shows. Like, they would be, like, four movies. It would be King and I, Carousel, Oklahoma... Um, and State Fair, all in one package. And I remember we, we rented uh, the package, and I watched them all one weekend, and I became obsessed with R, with, with R&H, specifically Oklahoma. I, I was just, like, madly in love with Oklahoma. But the movie musicals of, of Oklahoma and Sound of Music, I watched literally maybe 500 times. <laughs> and that hooked me. And then, luckily enough to see all the touring shows going through the Kennedy Center and the National. Uh, and in high school, Les Mis was what made me obsessed. And I moved to New York wanting to get into Les Mis. Oddly not Saigon, but, but Les Mis. Like, I, wanna be, I, wanted, I wanted to be Marius. And, 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 uh, and I actually grew my hair out while I was in The King and I, because I wore a wig. Because I thought, oh, if I grow my hair out to look like Marius, they have to cast me. <laughs> so. Have to. Oh, they they never had Ricky Martin instead. Instead. But he had the hair. He had the hair. <laughs> oh, Turns out it was the hair. It was the hair. It was all yeah. the hair. <laughs> well, Amazing. Thank you very much for Thanks coming. Thanks for having me. Chatting with us. We're so great. It's so good to see you. Rob here with You May Be Wondering. Born in Manila and raised in the D.C. area, Jose Lana is one of several high-profile Filipino and Filipino-American actors who have made a splash on Broadway in recent decades. With a rich and vibrant culture where East meets West, the Philippines and its diaspora community have evolved to become an impressive incubator and source of musical theater talent. You may be wondering why that is. Well, when you think about it, it should really come as no surprise that Broadway stages, which represent the highest level of commercial theater in the English-speaking world, would attract the best talent from around the world, and that places where the United States has an historically strong relationship, either through alliance or colonialism, would serve as more likely pipelines for talent. Once a colony of the United States following the Spanish-American War in 1898, the Philippines became an independent nation in 1946. Today, over four million Filipinos live in the United States, the largest population of Filipinos outside the Philippines. And the country annually serves as the fourth most popular source of immigrants to America. Government, business, familial, and linguistic ties explain the natural connection between our two countries and why it is that Filipinos have emerged as such a successful cohort of musical theater performers. While studying biology at the University of Manila, Leia Salonga was discovered and cast as Kim in Miss Saigon, launching a career that arguably makes her among the most famous Filipina stage performers in the West. John John Briones, who is also from Manila, played the engineer in the 2017 Broadway revival, alongside Filipina singer Rochelle Ann Go as Gigi. Cynthia Anrubia, a now-retired dancer who performed in A Chorus Line, Dancing, and Cats, is the daughter of Celie Carrillo, a Filipino immigrant who was in the original cast of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Flower Drum Song, later serving as the lead. And speaking of R&H, Lou Diamond Phillips, who led the 1996 revival of The King and I, is the son of a U.S. Marine father, and a Filipina mother. J. Elaine Marcos, who is remotely related to the Marcoses, has performed in a whopping nine Broadway shows over the past two decades, playing both Asian and non-race-specific parts, including Lily St. Regis in The Last Revival of Annie. Fellow Filipina-American Catherine Riccafort has performed in eight Broadway shows. Just this season, George Salazar, whose mother is Filipino and father Ecuadorian, stars as Michael Mel in the teen sensation Be More Chill. Eva Noblezada, who was Tony-nominated for her amazing performance in Miss Saigon, is of Filipina and Mexican descent, and she stars as Eurydice in Town, the musical. And earlier this month, Mark de la Cruz, who is of Filipino and Japanese descent, 
became the first Asian American to play Alexander Hamilton in Hamilton on Broadway. And of course, there are dozens and dozens of other examples I could pull. In 2009, Pan-Asian Repertory Theater collaborated with the East-West Players to bring Amelda, a musical about Amelda Marcos, off-Broadway, featuring an all-Filipino cast in what was called, at the time, the first Filipino-themed musical to play in New York. In 2012, Here Lies Love, another musical about Imelda Marcos, opened at the Public Theater to rave reviews, starring, of course, Jose Lana as dictator Ferdinand Marcos and Conrad Ricamora, whom you might know from TV's How to Get Away with Murder, as Ninoy Aquino. A 2018 study found that Asian actors received just 4% of all roles on Broadway. That number increases when shows like Miss Saigon and The King and I come back to the boards. But Asian actors shouldn't have to rely on explicitly Asian stories and characters to find work. As David Henry Huang has said, and Jose brought up tonight, we need more color-conscious casting to push boundaries and increase diversity on stage. A popular truism goes that talent is universal, but opportunity is not. Thankfully, so many extraordinarily talented Filipino performers have had the opportunity to share their gifts and training on Broadway. Jennifer here. That's our show. Thanks for listening. You can hear us anytime on iTunes. The Fabulous Invalid is a production of O&M Etc. and The Fabulous Invalid LLC. Our theme music is by Lucky Chops. Today's episode was edited and engineered by Aaron Kaufman. Find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at Fabulous Invalid and on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.